This is College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast for fans of NCAA women's collegiate soccer with Old Miss women's head coach Matt Mott and Rice women's head coach Brian Lee. You can download this podcast from all your favorite podcast providers. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell a friend. And now, Coach Mott and Coach Lee. Well, here we are. College Soccer Nation is upon us on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, very excited. We got the big introduction of the new uh, bigger deal, we're calling him, Brian Wright. I am Matt Mott. I'm the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm joined with Brian Lee, the head coach of the Rice Owls. We're here on College Soccer Nation with a big announcement coming up here in a minute. Brian, how are you on this glorious Tuesday afternoon? I, I'm fantastic. And middle of the weekdays are the best days, aren't they? Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> do a little training, get some work done. You know, this may be the second biggest episode ever of the podcast outside of the very first one. Yes. This kind of addition and the buzz around it in the college <laughs> soccer world, waiting on this announcement, pins and needles. Who could it be? Who could it be? And they are going to be satisfied. Yes, they are. They are indeed. Um, I just had to mute his line though, because we can't give it away. His chuckle might've done it. But um, so we're going to give you a few things before we make that announcement, but um, Ryan, Tuesday and Wednesdays are the best day of the week. That's what you're going with? You know what I go with, Matt? What, whatever day it is, is the best day of the week. On Tuesday, the week. On Friday, it's a great day. It's like you're on my team on the first day. Today, it's raining. Well, you know how we're going to start training? Can you believe it? What an awesome day to play. Little yeah. Grizzly, you know, Cats, our kid from England. This feels just like London. It's like mm. when I was growing up in Scotland. You can't beat this. Best soccer weather. So, you know, the late Coach John Hazen, who coached me in high school, used to come out to practice every day. And remember, I grew up in upstate New York, where it's colder than hell most of the time, raining, nasty, gray. And he'd say, this is a great day for soccer. At first thing he said, every day, great day for soccer, no matter what the weather. So I'm with you. It's just a great day to be alive, isn't it? That's right. So uh, let's get rolling. So Power 5 today is uh, in honor of Coach K's um, last game. Uh, this past weekend and March Madness is upon us. We are going top five current bas college basketball coaches, male and female, male or female. Right. That's right. And I feel like you have a huge advantage from your illustrious high school basketball career. You well, have. don't forget, I coached college basketball for one season, too, Brian. I, I, I was an remember. assistant coach. Talk about that when he gets it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we should. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk soccer a little bit. Um, the first, I had a question from the crowd or the listeners, I should say, um, what is your approach to spring season typically, Brian? Well, I think big picture, it's, it's all about development and how is the individual doing over, obviously in the fall, we're a very team oriented, uh, daily approach, but you know, the big thing for me is spring soccer is always changing. It depends who returns. It depends how many kids you've got. Um, who are already returning regulars or uh, for in terms of how much application it has to your fall season. So, you know, you take this year, we're probably returning five, six of our best players, but we've also got a bunch of kids coming in. We think are going to play uh, significant roles. So that changes kind of our spring dynamic while we're trying to develop the whole team. So very individualistic program to program and year to year. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I've had years where, 
you know, we've said, okay, we have this team. We, we kind of had, we had a good, maybe a good end of the year or maybe we struggled in the year. It's important that our team um, is successful, wins games. We've had teams where, okay, now we know we're going to change the system. We've had teams where, okay, we have one, you know, this, this is a new one for me. We have six new players in the spring, right. From transfers and, and early enrollees. What's that look like? How does, you know, how do we evaluate them? How are they going to do? So I do think teams do approach it differently, kind of based on how many they return, what's their goal. Um, you know, is it to have a really good spring? So you're rolling into the fall feeling really good about it. Is it about development? Is it about changing systems? I mean, there's a lot that can go into it. And I think we all uh, approach it differently for sure. Well, um, oh, go ahead. And I don't know if we talked about it on the air. I mean, to me, it, it's all about everything matters, but nothing matters. However you want to say that it's yeah. the habits you're creating as an individual are massively important. The spring results don't matter at all. That right. is the one consistency to year to year. It just doesn't matter. But the habits you're forming in training and daily life and in the games, that, that is really important. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. Uh, what is your approach to spring break with your team? I think they're college students and we're going to go on spring break in the spring season. You know, it's, it, it always depends when spring break falls in your 20 hours for sure, but usually it's somewhere in the middle of it. And, you know, first and foremost, I want our kids to enjoy their spring and, and it's really basically the only big holiday they can be regular college students, isn't it? You know, in the fall, it's totally different. Um, so I want them to enjoy it. Obviously you're an intercollegiate athlete. You do have to, you know, mind your P's and Q's a little differently than a regular student. You're always a student athlete representing the program, but I, I want them to go have spring break in whatever shape or form they want their college life to look like. Yeah. I, I said to my team today, we, we always give them spring. I know some people keep them around for spring break or may go together as a team somewhere for spring break. But I, um, I said to my team today, I said, listen, whether you're on this field in our building or anywhere else in the world, you represent Ole Miss soccer, right? You, you are, you still have the shield no matter, you know, if you're wearing our, our gear or not, you still represent the shield. So keep that in mind as you, as you go out and venture into spring break, but I couldn't agree with you more. They have to be college students. It's one of another, one of my issues with the all the full season model, the 21st century model. <clears throat> they need a break there. My team right now is at a point where we need, we've played two spring games. We're ready for a break and then come back after spring break and hit it hard, you know, and, and finish out the spring the right way. So um, I agree with that. Okay. Next last questions before we bring in the, the new guest. Um, what has been the biggest headaches or benefits of the fifth year COVID exemption? Oh, great question. You know, for me, it's all, almost all been benefits, you know, that talk about the negative first. The only negative is you have to tell some kids that you, they can't have their scholarship for the fifth year because there are some fiscal limitations at most schools on it. And mm -hmm. there was the one year um, I don't know what you call it, grace period where you could go over 14, but for everybody else, you got to be 14 scholarships or under and back in your budget per the NCAA. So every program's got to make decisions on who can come back on scholarship and who can't. And those are really, they're not tough conversations, but and these are 19, 20 year olds we're talking to and feelings get hurt and that kind of stuff. And you got to be able to create a positive team culture while that's going on. Um, but the positives to me are on the field are fantastic. Who's going to win 22 year olds or 17 year olds? 
most, most times. And the more fifth years you have, uh, that extra year of experience is, is just gold. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I couldn't say it any better coach Leah. That was a fantastic answer. Uh, and totally agree. Like it's, uh, you know, I say all the time, I say this all the time, you win with seniors. Well, now you win with fifth year seniors, right? Or super seniors, whatever you want to call them. Um, the idea that they can be five years, hopefully in your program or four years in a good program. And then maybe the grad transfer, but that experience, that level of, of quality, you just, it's hard for a freshman for sure. So I do think it was hard for the 20 ones because, you know, the team was there and then all of a sudden they come in, but then everybody's back. I think that made it hard. It is tricky, I think, um, with five classes to uh, organize that and, and figure out what's what's best, certainly financially, and then from a team standpoint. But it is it has increased the quality of soccer throughout the country. There's no question because we have pros now playing an extra year, right? So, um, really, really good. Okay, it is time, Brian. It is time. Oh, We've had man. for uh, 55 episodes, 56 episodes. We've had the big deal that was Brian Lee. But now we think we have the bigger deal. And those of you people around College Soccer Nation listening, we have brought the mayor on the show. And I would like to very um, excitedly, is that word? Introduce and welcome Robbie Church, the mayor, to College Soccer Nation. Give it up for Robbie Church. <laughs> Clap in. Hey, Churchy, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. This is an honor. I mean, this I've been doing this a long time, but to be able to invite it on this podcast to come up with you two, oh my gosh, what an honor. But I have figured out why you brought me here, okay? I have uh -huh. figured out why you brought me here. You just want the same hair color as Chris. You just wanted somebody <laughs> that had the same hair color as Chris. You didn't want to change. Maybe you don't even have to change the picture of the podcast now. You can just kind of do a little dabbling in my face. You had the same hair color. Uh, so I, it took me a little while to figure out why I was being asked, but I have figured it out there. Well, well thank you. you. Go ahead. I'm we, this. we did narrow it to, you know, who do we know who's older than us in college coaching? And then more specifically, who do we know who's older than Chris? So that, that narrowed it down to you and one other coach. So you're the uh, no, I'm just kidding, okay. Robbie. It's the greatest to have you with us. The, the mayor of Soccerville, oh I, you know, oh I, I think that is so appropriate and in a complimentary way. It, there is not a person in college soccer who's ever had a bad word to say about Robbie Church and everybody values your opinion. So I'm super glad you're, you've chosen to spend some time with us. Uh, and the well, reason it's taken, and the reason it's taken a while is obviously the contracts, right? We had to work very hard with our agent, his agent, and our people, and get it ironed out. But I did, I did say to Brian, I said, okay, we 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 it'd be good if we could find someone, you know, similar to Chris but nicer. That, that's the key, and and I think we definitely did that. <laughs> um, welcome to the show, Churchy. We're happy you're here, and we have some topics to discuss with you. Um, and like, like, yeah, like we said, this will be a, uh, it will fill Robbie in here on the second, second segment each, each week. And we're thrilled to have him. All right. First one, let's get an update as you have some players playing it in the U20 CONCACAF tournament. And I know Brian is, is uh, really up to speed on this too, but uh, what do you know, what's going on with our group and obviously what's going on specifically with your player that's there. Yeah, Michelle Cooper is playing, has, mm -hmm. has played very, very well. Um, obviously, the team has, you know, done fantastic playing today in the uh, playing the quarterfinals, uh, quarterfinals. I saw a couple stats. What was it? They scored 34 goals. 
uh, in the four games that they would play. It's it's unbelievable the competition have have not conceded a goal a goal yet in the four matches. You know, I know reading up on the on the uh, team playing they play in Haiti today. Reading up, they thought maybe that's going to be a better match or a closer match because uh, I guess Haiti was uh, in 2020 they finished fourth, so they were a semifinalist. Uh, so not sure how that how that will all work out, but uh, I think we have a really good team. I think we have a really good team. I think the coaches have done a really good job of selecting the players. I think they've done a really good job of rotating players. Um, mm. Obviously, with the score lines being so high, they can get a lot of players in, and I think they've done that. So as they move into the knockout stages, the important stages that are here, I think all the players are fresh. And I think you've got a lot of competition for a lot of positions. So I think you'll see, you know, a lot of players, 40, a lot of really, really good players are only playing 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden, you know, I feel bad for the opponent. Sometimes you've got this play, you've got this really good player, 45 minutes, and she's off, and here comes another one <laughs> just as good and and more fresh and ready to go at you for another 45 minutes. So I think that's led to these score lines being, you know, what crazy 13 nothing. 13 nothing mm-hmm. at, at times. Um, you know, Canada has done the same thing uh, in this. But it, it should be exciting, you know, with, with quarterfinals, quarterfinals today, semifinals on Thursday, and then the finals, third-place game and finals um, being held on Saturday. So now we're getting down to really checking it out and really looking at it and and, uh, and evaluating. So so, uh, so tell me this, and pardon my ignorance, we get two teams out of CONCACAF or just one? It's two or three. I think it's three. Is it's three, right? I know it's, it's at least two, but I, I think it may be three. Three also. It's it historically three. been three, but I was reading up something. We're we're on on course to see Canada in the semis, and it was written up in a way that that's a bigger game than you have the fallback of the, I guess, bronze medal game for worst worst way to describe it. You know, for the third fourth game usually puts the third team in. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. So, and then who would be on the other side if we're playing Canada in the semi? Mexico. Mexico would be the, mm. the, the strongest team on the other side, I think. And then, you know, you've, you've got who, – who would be that side? So, then you would have Puerto Rico. I think that the other quarterfinals is Puerto Rico and Guatemala. Mm. So, okay. probably be Mexico. Probably be Mexico that would have a path into the finals. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. Okay. Mexico and whoever's going to lose to Mexico. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, Brian, talk to us about. You wanted to talk a little bit about the money being spent on these uh, on these trips. Well, it's such an interesting thing to me because we, we've got a Concacaf signing up all of these smaller countries for the final tournament now that I think started maybe one tournament ago, and they turned it into you know a bit of a baton death march of what is it six seven games in sixteen days. And I yep. think Robbie just said it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for the quarter mm, yep. semis and finals. So you're, we're bringing in these federations that have spent way less money in preparation over the last two years. They're, they're going to spend in this two-week tournament, 16 days. You know, that that's expensive in the, you know, in getting there and the travel and just feeding the teams and travel part, travel parties, all that kind of stuff. It just seems to me that it's a tournament that has unrealistic expectations um, and doesn't make any sense to have all these teams, you know, and, and make them go through this six games in 17 days. And it's five games. If you just make the 16 team knockout stage, it's just very odd. I don't know why. You know, I also think that too, 
all these teams that are there, look at these scores. I mean, look at the, the, the you're yeah. bringing them in, you're, you know, like you say, you're, you're, the expense, it goes up. And then a lot of these teams aren't winning a game, not even competitive in a game still. So yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's tough. I don't know if they could shorten the format a little bit, qualifications leading into this and, and a, more of a local and then be able to play better, more competitive games once they get there. One, it's letting more teams in, but it's also it's eliminating their chance of progression late in the tournament because they're exhausted. I mean, yeah. Obviously, we're going to be the deepest team. Canada is going to be the second deepest team. Mexico is going to be the third deepest team. And when there has been a team that could compete in their top 11, it's certainly not in their 15th player. And then, yeah. you know, we're mm-hmm. we're bringing obviously great players off the bench and subbing same for same when we do Churchy, who's coaching our 20s? I don't even know that. I, I feel bad that he's changed over a bunch. Who is the coach of the 20s? Tracy's the coach of the, of the And she's okay. Still yep, is. Yep. Okay. Yep, still okay. is. She, she was bumped up. I think she I think she had our 17s. And okay. then now she now she has our 20s. And and again, I think she does a really, really good job. She's very, very thorough, thorough checking out, you know, reaching out to the college coaches, scouting all over the country, reaching, reaching out to club coaches. Uh, I think she does a her and her staff does a really really good job, and the players really like her. They really mm. really like her. They buy into what what she is what she is teaching them, and uh, you know I, I think and she does she's got a good way of handling the players, you know especially at that at that level because they're always Brian was just saying they're all great players, and she's yeah. got a really good way of handling the players and a great way of, of how to get the best out of the players too. Gotcha. Let's Bobby, keep- I got a, uh, a oh, cool go question for you. It's, okay. uh, you know, in, in our sport, traditionally, the team with the best player normally does really, really well and maybe wins the national championship. So I, I've watched our team play two or three times. Yeah. There, there's a chance you have the best player in college soccer. <laughs> no pressure. So what, so you what are you saying? What are you, what, what, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the point, Brian? I, I, Matt, and I, Matt and I are not familiar with watching the U-20s and the the high striker where everything revolves around and, uh, you know, best player is actually our kid. So does that excite you? Does that scare you? Or what's a coach's perspective <laughs> on that? No, it, it excites me. It excites me, you know, because number one, the kid is such a great kid. She's such a great, great kid. She's such a hardworking player. Um, you know, when she's from day one, when she stepped on our campus in the first you know, of August, she was our hardest working player out there, both, both in possession, out of possession. Ball turns over, she is pressing, she is counter pressing. She is, she just works, and she just makes other players better with her. She's positive. She's got great body language over there. She encourages everybody out there. She's just a wonderful, wonderful kid, both on the field and off the field. So you're excited about everything. It's been, you know, it's been quite a year for Michelle Cooper in college soccer. She's got a lot of acclimates and a lot of things have been pointed and and said nice to her. And then now carrying it on with the U-20s. She's done well. And I tell you what, she's going to, she's been really good up to this point. But I think you also see once you get to the big games, Michelle Cooper is one of those players that has another gear, will go to mm-hmm. a different level. And she will, as, as we go forward into the kind of knockout stages today and then on, on Thursday and also on Saturday, if they're fortunate enough to get to get that far, she'll be a major factor. So it, it's fun mm-hmm. and I'm very proud of her. And, and But I do know it comes from a lot of hard work um, that, mm-hmm. she has, that she has put in and she deserves all she's gotten so far. Good. All right. Tell us a little bit about the 23s. What do we got going on with the 23s? I know they're over in 
Portland or Seattle? Portland. Yep, they're in Portland. They're in a preseason tournament in, in Portland. It's, a, it's the, called the Thorns preseason in Portland. What I saw, what I thought was really interesting, this is the, so this is a great side. We're coming out of this COVID. This is the first time since 2019 that the 23s have had any event. It was September 2019 mm. was the last event for the wow. 23s. Okay, so they're playing, they're playing a round robin. Um, our buddy Chris is there. Yeah, and his Chicago Red Stars. Um, so the U.S. team played the Red Stars in the first game. Um, it was ended up a zero-zero match, but it looks like the U.S. team held their own. It looks like from from the match, they nineteen to nine in shots, six to three, a own goal, own goal with it. But I know Ruthie Jones had to make some really, really good saves and goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really proud of, of Ruthie. But it's they really spread out this this roster is made of twelve uh, is is made of. Uh, players from 12 different colleges um, mm. that they're playing. And looking at that 23 roster, it's really a good roster. I, mm. I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find out. You know, I'm sure there's three or four players around the country that could have been on that roster. But I think they've done a really nice job of, uh, of picking that roster. And then obviously just – I think they have one training session – they had one training session. They went right in and played the Reds, the Red Stars. They again, they play another match today. Uh, the U.S. team plays the Thorns at seven thirty tonight. The Red Stars play um, uh, play Seattle in the game beforehand, and then their last match will be on Friday, where where the uh, U.S. will play Seattle will play the Rain uh, hmm. OL Rain team, and the Thorns and Red Stars will finish up in a doubleheader. So what a great event in Portland. What a great yeah. opportunity for, you know, some of our top collegiate players to spend, you know, probably 10 days, 10 to 12 days out and having three games against NWSL, especially in the springtime. You can't represent that. Some of us play, you know, some of us are fortunate to live close to some of the NWSL teams and we play and we reach out and we, we play some of the teams and those are great experiences, but, for all these girls that are on the U23 teams, you've got to imagine they're all interested in playing at the next level. Sure. And just getting sure. an opportunity for 12 days to see and how the, you know, how the professional player re- uh, trains, how the professional player recovers and, and, and how the professional player plays and just gets to see that firsthand. I think this is, I mean, this is great experience. I think that will come back and, and really help all these young ladies as they go back to their college teams. Awesome. Robbie, how uh, ACC heavy is the 23 roster? The 20s roster is pretty ACC heavy and deservedly so. Right, but right, what, right. What, what does that look I, like? I think it's, it's, it's pretty heavy. It's, it's, it's pretty heavy. We have a couple. I think Virginia may have three players. Mm-hmm. I don't have that roster in front of me. I know Florida State has a number of players, has a number of players too. I know Clemson has a, has a player on there. So I don't think it's quite half of it, but I think it's, it's, it's close 40% or gotcha. better. There. So I think it is fairly he- heavy with the ACC, but it's just, again, it's exciting to see these. And I don't know what the 23s will do. I don't know if this will be their only event. Sometimes they've had a summer event uh, where they've gone, where they've gone international to play, but it's just, it's great to see them being able to come out and have events again. Yeah. It's just another sign that we're coming out of this and that we're moving forward and the, the uh, world is coming back to be normal somewhat. For sure. Jersey, what um, I've had it on here. I forgot to put it on here. Um, tell me what your thoughts are about our buddy Chris going to the Red Stars. Oh, it's great! It's great. Yeah, uh, I was I was really really happy for. 
for Chris, you know, obviously, um, since we're similar age, we have known each other forever <laughs> growing up and both of us he, coming down as he matriculates down from New Jersey to North Carolina, which is a, is a stop for many people. Uh, and, and UNC, I, I am from Greensboro and he was at UNCG and, mm-hmm. you know, so I've known Chris forever and, and had just the greatest respect for him. And I think this is, you know, on a, in his soccer journey and his coaching journey, I think this is at the perfect time. I think this yeah. is, you know, uh, he has, he has done all that can be done in the college game. You know, he's taken every team that he's, that he's coached and he's taken them to a very high level along with the SMU team. I know it's a, it's a huge loss for SMU, but I think it's a, I think it's a big game for the NWSL. And I also think it's, it, it's nice to have, and, and they have, you know, with Amanda going to Orlando and Chris now going to Chicago, it, it, it now they're starting to, you know, get some college coaches, college coaches. Yeah. Are, now it's another option. The, the, the league is growing. The salaries are growing out there. They're, you know, guaranteed contracts so that they can compete a little bit with the collegiate level. Um, yeah. And so coaches that aspire to, do I want to go on to the pro ranks? to see these coaches. So, so I think we all need to pull for both of them and hope they both do very, very well. I know Chris, I know Chris well, and we'll do, we'll do a fantastic job. And we have a former player that is, um, that is playing in the red stars and she is really, really liking having Chris. Great. Coach. Um, and, you know, really our podcast kind of outgrew Chris too. I mean, you know, we kind of took a step <laughs> above. It was time for us to make some changes. He kind of was getting a little stale. So we had to move on. That um, power five. It got yeah, yeah, running out of them. Yeah, running out of good. Five, was, yeah. that's, your, um, that's your damn fault. So, Brian, you got to you got to perform well in that power Yes, five. very, very oh, true. Very, very true. Um, okay, let's go on. Uh, a couple more topics. Um uh, Brian, why don't you hit us with a uh, rules update, the second half re-entry, the overtime. Let's get some thoughts on, on these new rules that could be coming in uh, this as soon as this fall. Well, I think as we introduce them, some are in and some have had some backlash and maybe they won't make it all the way through, but no overtime in regular season. I can't see that possibly not going through. In conjunction with that, you've got postseason overtime no longer being sudden victory. It'll be the full two tens. You know, for me, those are both great changes and a long time coming, but they're, they're so well supported across all the divisions and genders that, that those are slam dunks. However, the, the proposal that's created a lot of, I'd say backlash slash um, hysteria is the no second half re-entry. Um, it's, it's really across the board opposed by both genders and all divisions except division one men who are very strongly favoring. And we're, you know, there's little intricacies in NCAA rules where we could go gender specific, but that's hard to do. So the rules committee is just six, eight coaches, administrators, like every other NCAA committee uh, that's comprised of all divisions, all genders. And, and these are the proposals they came up with. You guys pro con, what do you think? Go ahead, Robbie. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I'm hundred uh, percent in favor of the rule change in the overtime and the uh, postseason overtime, like you are, Brian. Uh, I think that's really good. The the one that kind of sits a little bit on the fence is the reentry in the second half. I mean, if I have to, I'm leaning towards 
you know, with no reentry, but I also see both points. I think there's a, there's been a lot of good points made on both sides of the fence uh, on that one. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think that's, it's going to be interesting what happens because it, it, it did came out and there's been a huge backlash and there's a lot of people and they have really, really strong feelings about that one, about the reentry. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, and, and I think a lot of people have really good, good thoughts on it and, and make really good points. But I think if, if we go, if it ends up not going to know, if it goes to no reentry, I think it's going to be good for the game also. What, what is the benefit of just correct? Just in, inform me. What is the benefit of not having reentry in the second half? So in other words, changing the rule, what's the benefit? Who wants to take that one? Brian, you want to go first? Oh, yeah. I got my opinions. A, it slows the game down, number one. You know, and th- th- that's impossible that that's not a benefit for college soccer and the aesthetics of the game. You, it eliminates the shuttle, the 15 mm-hmm. minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, that, um, you know, makes sometimes our game not look like soccer is intended to look. So there's the purest side of that. The other side to me that's a really big deal is we're always striving for ways to find parity in the game. You know, you look back historically and we've got such dominant programs and usually there's one spot in the final four for a new team. And then it's the same old teams rotating through. I do think limiting second half reentry allows a team that's 12, 13 players deep, a better opportunity against the team that's 20 players deep and really runs the shuttle and plays to that system. Um, and historically, I mean, the best rosters are, are UCLA, Stanford, North Carolina, and therefore they're deeper and they can rotate more. Um, Florida state's always been the exception. They don't play as many people as those teams do. And they're kind of able to, um, beat the subbing system. And, you know, anyway, with just pure quality of play, but I think it'd be great for parity across the board. We'd see more, um, of the mid-majors advance further in the NCAA tournament, and we'd see new teams in the College Cup. Um, that's an interesting thought. It really is. I, I haven't looked at it from the parity side. For me, as uh, and I love your terminology of shuttle, shuttling the players yeah. every 15 minutes in there. I'm going to steal that, Brian, because uh, <laughs> I think that that's great. But that's that's the one thing for me. It's just so many changes. So I mean, many times I've been sitting on the sidelines and you look over at the scores table and there's eight people going in again. <laughs> You know, and the whole the, the game just it just breaks the game up. There's no flow to the there's no flow to the game with it too. So that that making you play your players and your best players and your and your best players are having to learn. Also, think too. And again, I know this is a collegiate model, and we're not there to, you know, always produce pro players. But I think it it helps the. The, with so many players wanting to play at the next level, it helps those players get used to playing at the next level, having to play through, you know, playing when they're tired, having to play through heat sometimes, having having to play when they're not playing well. You can't just take them out at this point. They got to figure out how we how we play well too. But I, I think it's going to be really interesting if it goes through. I think looking at your own team, how you coach those, how you coach, how you coach against other teams. Um, you know, doing doing that process is going to be really, really, really interesting. And I think to your point, Brian, is does this favor a team with a smaller roster, a talented roster, 
or does it favor maybe a, a, when teams get injured during the course of the year? And now you've lost three or four of your of players, and now you're only down to 13 players. Will that help you? Because the other team is going to play with a similar number or take off their better players too. So I think this could be, I think even more than we know, this could be pretty radical to the game and it could really change the game and it could change maybe a little bit of the balance of some powers out there. And if we could get more people that are competitive and more people have chances to get to the final four, the, the elite eight, I think that's great for the game. Um, not to throw a different side to this, but this is college soccer nation and we all have opinions. Um, so Brian, we're, you're kind of contradicting yourself a little bit in my opinion. And, and, and I have not weighed in on which way I think is best yet, but we talked at the beginning of the show about how COVID in the fifth year has is a, a benefit because we've had more players around. And I think one of the things that COVID has done is, is has really inflated everybody's roster for the most part, because you adding instead of having four classes, now you have five classes. So if everybody's roster is bigger then, and we're saying you're going to limit the amount of subs we have, now you're having more unhappy players than you did before because less people are able to play because now a 10 minute sub that maybe you make at the end of, in the middle of the game, in the game to bring your starters, get your starter a breather, come back in. Now you don't make that sub. So now your subs are playing. So, it's a little contradictory to what your point was during the first segment, but I understand, I understand what you're saying, but how do you combat this with the argument of we all have these, you know, huge rosters and now we're saying less people get to play. Well, you know, I, I, I think the large roster is a real valid talking point, but the, the way I would counter it is, the current rule adds validity to the 30th player on your team complaining about playing time because they know what the sub rule is in the second half. And when they come in and say, how come I can't go in for five minutes because Lucy could use a break for five minutes and then be stronger then. And I'll just run around and run into people and I'll try really hard <laughs> uh, because I, uh, and I'm fit and I can do it for five minutes. And you know, you know what, from a pure winning and losing, they're not that far off. There's a, that's got some validity to it. Mm -hmm. The backup goalkeeper doesn't come in at the end of the year and complain about playing time because people don't play two goalkeepers very often. So they know that they're the avenue to playing time doesn't exist in the rules. So once the players understand that the avenue to playing time doesn't exist, there might be fewer complaints about. Well, I, well, I also think you could argue if I know I have no chance to play. Then why do I want to follow Coach Lee's rules? Why do I want to? Why do I not want to do the drinking rule? Right? Why do I care? I'm not playing. But if you have that opportunity to play, good human. Maybe, maybe I'm going to follow the rules. So I think there's lots of lots of uh, layers to this. I, I really don't know. I you know it 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 it's hard for me. You know I, I've been in. We well, all three of us combined together, we got to be pushing 100 years of college coaching. Have had the re-entry for you know 30 plus years. Like now, all of a sudden, we don't have it. It's it's it seems crazy to me all of a sudden. But so, and we need to move on because we got more topics. But well, real let quick, me one more thing on this. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. it be fun for all of us to Robbie's point? Yes, we actually have a tactical second half where 
you're you you have to make a decision on a sub with 70 minutes in 70 minutes in 20 minutes to go in a one one game that isn't based on fitness and it would be it's it's based on tactics yeah Yeah. or more based on tactics that that seems awesome it does it does it's an interesting it's so so real quick so Mr. Um, you know, head of US United Soccer Coaches Women's Soccer mm-hmm. Committee, whatever you are. Um you what, the big deal or the mayor? Which <laughs> the big deal. I'm gonna not the bigger deal, the big deal, not the mayor. Uh what what's the deal with this? Like, is it is it coming in? It, like, will it be stopped? When when will it be officially announced? Yes or no? Well, I mean, really, the only one with a point of contention is just second half, second half re-entry. So right. To all the coaches out there, please fill out the survey that's been sent to you. Um, you know, one of our things as a coaching group is when we get sent a survey or asked for our opinion, we get like 20% return, 30% yeah. return. And we were asked for our opinion in December and everybody ignored it and it came back 20, 30%. Now the new survey is out, which is just our coaching organization, not the NCAA, which was the one that mattered. This is just us. <laughs> and the return's been great because everybody's up in arms. <laughs> so we're making a last ditch effort to get them to look at it again. So you have until March 13th. And then on March 14th, you can uh, start making comments. There's a comment period. So you can write, you know, to the NCAA, it'll come out where, the, where you send it and you can write your comments. And then uh, I don't know when the final vote is the final votes later in the spring and everyone can cross your fingers, whichever side of this you want to be on. Okay. Love it. All right. Uh, Churchy. Uh, Quick question. Approach to spring. What is your, through the years, have you had the, always the same approach? Have you changed the approach? What's your approach to spring soccer? No, I, I think we've always changed the approach. I think there's a lot of factors that go in. You guys talked about some of them, the te- the players that are coming back, the numbers that are going to have a real impact on your fall season. The play, um, you know, what do you want to get done during this, during the time? This, this year was really interesting. I think you know, for us, this spring season's been great. It's been absolutely fantastic. We've had we had a chance to do so many different things on the field and so many different things off the field that we haven't done in the last year and a half. You know, we've had we've got the kids have done so many. They've done a lot of community service, which they have really enjoyed as a as a group. We've we go out to dinner as classes together with them. Coaches have had much more individual meetings with them off the field. So you know, we've gotten to know our players even better. And it's and and that's that's been fantastic. On the field, you know, we kind of break different things up. You know, we we some you know some days are technical day, some days small sided day days, some days we do it large as as big as as we can get to play. Tactical days have been able have we been able to do that? We may want to work on a building. We may want to work playing through the middle the middle third. So it's given us chance to really break those things down, and it's really a chance to meet with our players individually and really explain things and take time. And you know, we're not rushed. We're not or we're, we're not you know. Know, it's everybody. The other thing is, is everybody's happy doing the spring. Everybody's yeah. happy. It's, it's Switzerland doing the swing. Yeah. You know, there's no first team. There's no second team. Most yeah. of the time. We're all Switzerland. Everybody, everybody's happy right now. So there's not, you know, you, you don't have that point, that part of it. So I, I think it's been, I think it's great. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I, I think at the end, right before we lost the spring for two years, I was getting to the point where, gosh, been at this so long, you know, I'm just ready for the competitive games to come. Let's get through it, get a fall. But being away from two springs and now coming back to it, it's it's been fantastic. It's uh, yeah. I think there's just so much positive. It's just, you know, 
again, I'm a strong opponent of make of the of G's proposal, um, mm -hmm. the one season model too. And I think this is, as you said, I think Matt earlier, this is just really put the stamp on it that this is this. It's great because I think there's so many things that can be reached uh, yeah. with players both on the field and off the field too. So, so you're not think, you're not a proponent of the uh, 21st century model. I am not. I am yeah. not. I think there's some. I think there's some good aspects of that. Yeah. And some aspects that that is coaches that we really that I liked in there. But I think if you look at the overall picture of being able coaching women's soccer, I think I I think the uh, the one semester model the one semester model meets that a lot better. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate. I wish Chris was on. God, I wish Chris was on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Um, Let's talk, Brian. You guys had a call today, right? On the uh, on the uh, whatever your group's called, the uh, the regional conference, uh, conference rep. Thank you, God. I'll spit it out. Anything interesting coming out of that? No, we just talked about it all. To be honest, Robbie, I'm okay. not missing so, anything. So, so. Am I? I mean, literally, we just had the meeting again. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, a lot shorter. A lot shorter on this time. Thank goodness. But, uh, yeah. We're only dealing with three opinions, not thirty-one. Whatever <laughs> in there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, then we're on to our uh, a new segment. You know, in the fall we had a lot of segments. Uh, we had just shut up, Matt, which was a fun one. Everybody loved that. We had a, I don't know, we had deal or no deal. I don't know. We had a bunch of different ones, but we've we are adding a new one, and we're we're bringing in the mayor um of soccerville to uh to weigh in on some of this so this is brian's baby it's called brag or no brag yes and it has a theme song so yes yes forgive my yes. uh lack of technology wizardry but we'll see you ready for the theme song it's by a little yeah. band we call the lonely island with a guest appearance by adam levine All right, so it's brag or no brag. Did you hear that nice and clear? Uh, pretty clear, actually, believe yeah. it or not. Pretty clear, but uh, Mc, Mc, uh, the, the Kemp, what's his name? The Kemby Matumbo? Yeah, like a okay. Big pot of gumbo. Lonely yeah. Island are quite good. Have you heard the song uh, I'm on a boat? No. Uh, every you should download Pull it up. Boat. Okay. Every, every time I'm running down a beach somewhere where we're out recruiting, that's nice. And I go by a marina, it's just popping in my head. I gotta <laughs> play it. It's hilarious. Nice. Uh, okay. But that was I'm so humble. So the idea is brag or no brag. These are college soccer -y things. So what I'm gonna do is introduce the brag or no brag. And then I okay. want each of you to say brag or no brag, do it or don't do it. And then so like you can, you should brag about it or you should not brag about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I got you. And then give your why or your. Okay. On okay. It. All right. You ready for number one? Yep. All right. So we're in the middle of all these youth camps. We got. I can't wait for this, going. by the way, Churchy. I can't wait for this. This is always <laughs> good. Yeah. So we've been what talking about the twenties and we're talking about the 23s camps going on. So. Yeah. If you have four kids in the U-20s and two in the U-23s, but you aren't in the Sweet 16, finish seventh in your league, 
Should you be bragging about it on social media? <laughs> brag or no brag? <laughs> Go ahead, no Churchill. Brag. No brag. No yeah, brag. I don't feel like I'm bragging about that no either. Brag. No, no brag. brag no brag on that. I mean, you might you might want to mention. Can yeah. you mention? Or you gotta just go cold turkey. Don't say a word. I don't know. That's uh-uh. five players in the twenty in the twenties and the twenty threes. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about a specific school. I just see no. these things popping all the time. Yeah. And yeah. you know, because there's only two. Yeah. I mean, either the kid shouldn't be there, or yeah. Yeah. development going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. What that level of kid should be looking for. Churchy, right, so how many? Went, Churchy, how many one. kids? Did, Churchy, how many kids you have in the? 20s and 23s is he not talking about you, is he? I don't think you finished seventh. Hold on, let me add up. One, two. Okay, I'm underneath that. I'm good. I'm good. I could brag, but that's a no brag. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian, that's a good one. All right. So that was two no brags. Don't two no brags. All right. This is just two old men's advice. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. all right, number two. Boom. We just got better today. Taking flight, <laughs> painting the sky blue, quack, quack. <laughs> Colonel rev up, pony up. Should we be bragging or no bragging when the transfer rate is so high? About 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds committing. Brag or no brag? He has banged the drum on this one, Churchy, for a while, hasn't he? He is not a fan yeah. of the – he is not a fan. I, I don't – is it brag or is it more – we got better today yeah that's the quote everybody loves yeah yeah well you've you've turned uh you know Ole Miss soccer media out in where we don't do it anymore because I can't take the ridicule from you (laughs) um but it it is it is uh it is becoming more and more commonplace in our sport isn't it yeah to brag about your uh your commitments we don't even know who they are (laughs) because <laughs> you can't and, say their name yeah and then you build them up you the my problem with it is that you build them up so much yes you know you you build them up they hey they've been great they've been great youth players they've been great high school players great good job you've done really well but you're going to a new level you're going to a new level and before they even get there you're building them up so much and and we're guilty of of doing that here at duke at different times but i'd like to say no brag on that and, uh, and and stay with it because it's, it's I, I just don't think it's good. Yeah, I'm with him. No brag. We stopped doing it. Yeah, I agree. It's not good for the kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, in the end, it, to me. But and then they come own. in your office. Then they come in your office and say, "You said all these good things about me. <laughs> it was the best things to slice bread. What happened? What happened to me? Have I thought I, you I, said I, we got better. We've lost five games in a row. <laughs> Have I gone this bad in the last five months? That was great. <laughs> And then there's the nuclear six months in the kids trying to get you fired. Not just did she get you, make you better. You said, I'm awesome. You stink. So yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Next one. Brag or no brag. Women's national team settlement. We did this for the future for everybody. Oh, there's 22 million divided between basically 16 of us, not to go totally hope solo on this. And then boom, the next day, this is the greatest for future generations. If I just got cut a giant check, this is great. 
but I don't know how much it helps future generations. Brag or no brag? Woo, this is a tough one. This is a this is this is a tough one with the two, but I am I'm I'm going I'm staying no brag. I'm staying no brag at this point. Um, you know, congratulations, you got the check, you got, you know, it went through, but you know, I'm not sure how much it, it's gonna affect the future generation, if that's what they're saying. Um this the, I agree. It's it's a hard, this is a hard topic um all the way around because did they change the future generations? In other words, is it equal pay? Like I saw a TikTok, believe it or not, boys, I was able to look at a TikTok <laughs> and it was Alex Morgan saying, yes, I, I can't remember exactly. I, I would totally butcher it, but it was something to the point of now we're paid even as men. Is that true? So are the salaries the same? I, I don't quite know the, the, um, how it all turned out, how it all, because it hasn't finished yet. Right. So we don't really know if they've solved this for the future generations, right? Right, right. My only issue is take out, let's just flip-flop it. Let's say that the Women World Cup brings in $100 million and the Men's World Cup brings in $10 million, just for fun, for numbers. How do we quantify that part of it of paying the players equal? Because I, I couldn't agree more. If, if It should be equal. If we, if we can make it equal, we should make it equal. But if the two – because to me, it's like the men's and women's soccer, national soccer teams, wear the USA uniforms, but they are not equal, right? The women are so much better than the men. But the men, you could argue, is harder, more competition, whatever you want to argue. But if the amount of money the two teams bring in is differently – then are they the same? You know, does that make sense? Like I, I struggle with the whole dynamic of the entire thing because, you know, football at all our schools bring in a lot more money than soccer do. And their coaches get paid a lot more than we do for, for makes sense. But like, how do you quantify all of that? I, I think it's really, really hard. I think if they're able to get it where it's equal pay, I think that is awesome. But I see where it hasn't been for so long and why why it hasn't been, but maybe we're just catching up. I, I really don't know. Well, it, there, our super unique pay structure where we had the 16 kids on contract or 16, I call them kids, 16 players on contract, you know, for the hundred grand. And a lot of mine is pulled off. You know, you don't know what you hear is, is right or not until we see the actual numbers. I really don't have an opinion on this one. I just think it's a fun brag or no brag, yeah. which way did the money go? But if, if I'd suggest everybody listen to Hope Solo with Carly Lloyd on her first podcast, said it's something like Hope Speaks. I thought it was very informative and it, it was really good from someone who was in the mix. Um, because what, what's the money trail out of that? Savannah McCaskill, the kids outside the 16, Shay Groom, uh, you know, the people who were in there battling for those last five or six spots that were outside the contracted players. What are they getting out of this 22 million? Are they getting a yeah. decent cut of it? Because, you know, or are they getting a Denny's, you know, gift certificate? And, um, you know, just which direction is money going? Where does it go in the future? Are those, con- yeah. are those, are those still going to be 16 contracted players or is that gone? Because maybe that would be great for the next re- generation of 16. That's where you wanted to be as a women's soccer player for the last decade, for sure, in that group of 16. So, um, it's all interesting, but hopefully there'll be come a day where we see where the money 
Yeah, to me, it, to me, it's like if we got it to equal, that is awesome, right? That is awesome. But it just seems really – it doesn't seem very clear-cut at the moment on how this all went. I don't think we quite know how, how the dynamics of it all went. That's for sure. All right, so, last one. Okay. Uh, spring games, brag or no brag? Spring result posting like we won the World Cup. State U invites local directional D2 and is boasting about the blowout. <laughs> or on the flip, somebody beats a traditional power in an indoor ADA side and they're boasting about it <laughs> online. And then you see some video of one of the teams in training vests. Brag or no brag? <laughs> That is a no brag, Coach Lee. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Every team has fans. People want to know how Duke soccer is doing in the spring, regardless of the results. They want to know. They want to know information, right? So how Duke soccer is doing in their spring games, people are going to know. So I think you put yourself in a really tricky – it becomes very tricky on how do you handle the social media part. So let's say Duke – Beats Ole Miss six nothing. Is Robbie bragging about that? Right. What what do you what do you do? But the but the Duke fans want to know how the game against Ole Miss went. For sure, for sure. And and I, I think you, I think you have a right to be able to put the score out. What's happening? Because you do have your fans that are going to be looking. Oh, they had a spring game today. Yes. What's, what's the score? Yeah. But th- I think that's it. I mean, for me, yeah. it's a, a no brag. Give the information. You, you know, if you want to list goal scores, you know, with both sides, you can, but that's it. That's, yeah. you know, they had a game, they play, doesn't matter if it's a NWSL team, if it's a division two team, you do it the same, you do it the same way and you keep it, the, you keep it the same thing. You're not over the top on social media. You're not, you just say, Hey, game, because, uh, you know, people want to know, people want to get there, as you say, Matt, and people want to, they're there. And you want to keep that. You want to keep your fan base excited. It's a long haul. It's a long haul from November, December, yeah. all the way till August. Yeah, you got to give your fans something. I agree with that, can, Yeah, how can you keep your fan base excited? And spring games are great ways to do it. But I think there's a limit of what you give them, you know, because so as, as you talked about, spring games, there's so many – everybody diff, has a different agenda in a spring game, what they want to get accomplished out of that spring game. And um, But I say it's a no-brag, but I say you do – you're able to post the score. Yeah. And, and so people know what you're doing. What, what do I you mean, think? It, it just needs to be consistent. So yep. it, you, you're going to play five spring games and form your fans the same way, regardless of how the game is going during it or after. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, and, you know, that's just philosophically choose what you want to be with the spring and what you want to be social media wise and what you want to be publicly in the spring and approach it that direction. Like it. All right. All right. Good. That's, That's it for this. That was a good one. That was a good one, Brian. All right. Very good. Take us out. I'm going to take us out of the segment with this. Oh, no. <laughs> Brian, no one thinks you're a genius. Um, all right. <laughs> it's brag or no brag. I'm talking about the, the, the uh, it's called I'm so humble. I got you. All right. Uh, last thing, we got to let Churchy out here. This has been the longest segment to ever. So, Churchy, we didn't have a guest on, so that was one of the other reasons we wanted to spend all the time with Robbie. So, it won't ever be – it won't usually be this long, Robbie. We apologize. I apologize. 
as a part of College Soccer Nation, I apologize. Brian got a little heavy on his brag or no brag is what's best for the women, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all right, last, last point for you, Churchy. Give us a minute or two on the great Coach K. And, what, and, and you went to his last game, right? Yeah, Why didn't did. you sell your ticket for like 30 grand, by the way? <laughs> Believe me, I thought about it, but I had signed a little <laughs> piece of paper right before the season started <laughs> by the athletic department saying you will not sell yes. your tickets. Yes. Yes. And we're really strict on that, on, on that too. But uh, Matt and Brian, you would not believe it was quite a production. It was absolutely mm. quite a production. We were fortunate. Myself, Linda was able to go. We were able to get a ticket for my daughter, a daughter mm. and her friend. And, and so we had four of us that were able to roll into Cameron. And, you know, we got there. We, we, well, we went outside about four or five hours earlier, concerts, kids outside, mm. beautiful spring day, just having a, a blast. And then we got inside, inside the building. They opened an hour before a game, got in an hour for the game and just, just to see the really love and the respect that uh, was rolled out to Coach K in his last game with Cameron was was unbelievable. 88 former players came back. 88 wow. former players that, that came back over his, you know, 40-some year tenure as the head coach at Duke. Uh, lined him up in the middle of the court with the current players, and his coach came out for his last coming out of the locker room segment, coming back on the court. He had to walk in between all the players, um, you know, and – it's tough. You 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 put your players, and and obviously Duke being a, a big one and done school, you, a lot of young players were put in a really tough situation to handle. That that was a uh, a tough situation. Give Carolina, as I hate to say it, and I know the picker, and we we gone through this whole segment without mentioning his name, but I know <laughs> is a happy man because he's a big Carolina basketball. Oh yeah, person, but uh, you know Carolina played great. They played. They handled the pressure. They handled the. Uh, you know, because anytime Duke made a run, the place exploded. I thought the roof mm. one time was going to blow off the roof. I've been to games for 40-some years since uh, Coach K's been there, and that was as loud as it got a few times. So, wow, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful event. Obviously, the ending wasn't what everybody wrote, but, you know, life's not full of fairy tales all the time. Sometimes <laughs> harsh reality comes, and yep. Carolina executes the last 10 minutes much better than Duke executed. But I think Duke will learn from this. This will be a great learning experience for that young team. And I think it's something hopefully they can use as they go into the NCAA tournament. But, you know, sure. Coach Case had a great legacy here, uh, you know, not only on the ba- – obviously the basketball program, but just at the university and our athletic, uh, athletic department over his 40-some years. Um, you know, he's been a great ambassador for us, and we appreciate everything that, that he has done. And he'll be – John Shire is a good man and somebody that we're all pulling for, for and I think will do a really, really good job. But, wow, how would you like to replace that legend? Yeah, yeah. There's a legend to try to – you know, yeah. as, we all, as we all know, it hasn't worked out great at a lot of different places, basketball, any sport, replacing legends. But, you know, we're all pulling for John Shire, and I think he'll do a fantastic job. So, Churchy, will it be the same? Nah, well, Duke be the same. Be the same. It's never yeah. going to be the same. The the you know that chapter's over. It's closed, and you know it, it shouldn't be the change. It shouldn't be the same. It's time for a change. It's been forty some years. It's yeah. time for new ideas. It's time for new ways of doing things. It's it's time to make the game maybe even make it a little bit uh, a different, a modern too. But you know, mm-hmm. a, a unbelievable job, unbelievable track record. One of the greatest coaches and. I'm anxious to see what you guys do with the, on the next segment with with the coaches, coaches <laughs> ever. But yeah. it's, it's you know it's it's time for the same, and it's and it's not going to be the same. Yeah. 
Robbie, okay. yeah. what was your, uh, did you have a, Cameron's pretty small. And Cameron? on TV, they kept flashing all the uh, celebrities. Did you have uh -huh. a celebrity sighting from close uh -huh. range that really we, stuck out? We did. Stuck out to you. Uh, at, at the commissioner of the NBA um, uh -huh. was very, very close to us. Um, he was down the right and all the players would come and continue to come and shake his hand and, and, and talk to him during the course of the game. And I don't even know how much of the game he saw. He ended up, he was over there talking with all the players. He was doing that. Steinfeld wasn't far from us either. Oh, wow. um, actually he was, I think much closer to my daughter. She got the like five or six rows down for my daughter. Um, and then, you know, they, they kept flashing all the other celebrities up on the big board too. It was a, it was a hot day too in Cameron. Let me tell you what mm -hmm. I was, I, everybody was sweating. They, they, the student section was incredible. It was jam packed. They looked like sardines in both the undergraduate section and the graduate sections too. But the atmosphere was very, very special. And it'd be one of those things that, you know, it's not a game. It's just, it's an event. It's one of those events that don't, does not come around a lot. Uh, and we're just very, very fortunate to be at it. Hey, it's, Matt. You know yeah. what he's saying without saying? Did they give the Duke head soccer coach some good seats at Cameron. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, you, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting real quick, and, and I will let you go, Robbie, but, you know, David Stern was such a great commissioner for, for the yeah. NBA, but, boy, Silver has done just as well, if not better. He's he been really a fantastic has. replacement. Really. So, no, I agree with yeah. you. I, I was yeah. – David Stern and I had a lot of respect for, and mm -hmm. I thought really grew the game, the NBA mm -hmm. game. Took it, but I think Adam Silman come in and taking it to a really yeah. to a, a, a different level of the game, and yeah. you know I think he's an out of the box thinker and has made yeah. a lot of a lot of changes to it. But a lot of tough decisions back, that he's done really well with. Yeah, a lot of no tough doubt. Going back yeah. to those good seats, Brian. I don't think anybody set behind. Not many people set behind where there's a shot clock uh, in your vision. That's where my seats are. <laughs> In the, in the second half, the te the home team is coming right at me, and they're almost in my lap, and it's fantastic. But in the first half, there's a shot clock that sits right in the middle of my of my. But I'm so used to it, I can almost tell when it goes off their hands. Is it going to go in or is it not going to go in? Um, and thank uh, God we have a video board to see that. So that's I'm awesome. Sure that's so. awesome. All right. Churchy, thanks. Hey, fantastic job. I got to tell you, College Soccer Nation, I appreciate your, your homework that you did, prepared. And this is going to be, I think, a great addition to the pod, the College Soccer Nation uh, family. I know Brian doesn't like to use family very much, but I'm going to call it family. So <laughs> welcome aboard. We will talk to you next week. Um, but thanks again for coming on. And uh, have a great thanks, rest guys. of your week, Churchy. Great. Thanks, guys. Yep, see you. See you. All right, Brian, let's keep this baby rolling. Um, we are on to the Power Five. Ooh. I like my list. I worry we have some similar ones, but I threw a couple zingers in there. I threw a couple zingers. So just so we recap, it is a Power Five of top college basketball players, both male ba basketball coaches, both male and female, not named the famous Coach K, right? That's right, because we're just, we're just going with Coach K as the number one. Yeah. Current. yeah, yeah, it would be hard for him to not be the, the pick. Yeah. And I'll say this too, Churchy talked to a little bit, how difficult for those players on that night. I mean, you could have almost seen that coming, right? Like they were either going to blow them out by a hundred or, or take a loss because of so much pressure on those, those kids to play, you know, in front of all of that and all of the hoopla on his last game, man, it's tough. So well, in modern college basketball, you're talking about 18 year olds. 
I, yeah, I'm, absolutely. These aren't, this isn't Jay Billis and Christian Leitner, 26-year-old yeah. seniors. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Okay, here we go. We'll do it the same. You'll hit your number five, and then I'll say five, then I'll say four, and so on and so forth. For your number five, the, the coach is? My number five is Don Staley from South Carolina. That is exactly my number five. Oh, how about that? <laughs> well, then let me give you, you – I'll save. I got a replacement one. You want me to give you a replacement one? No, no, no. We're good with fine. That's fine. We'll see. We may have some honorable mentions at the end. I have some honorable mentions. Why Don Staley for you? Um, she's just kind of the, the, they've done such a good job. Her winning percentage is, uh, 715. She's 445 in 177. And I think she's just emerged as one of the, the really great coaches. And I think she, really relates to the modern player. They play, I've watched them play now a number of times. They play really good basketball. Um, and I think she does a fantastic job. That's why you. Yeah, I totally agree. And the national championship backs it up and she can recruit. And well, not just that. And how with gold medal too, right? Gold medal coach. I mean, she's kind of done it all. All right. My number four is a zinger, right? You ready for this one? Yeah. You don't think of this person when I first say his name, but, but you have to really uh, – there, there's a reason why I went with it, okay? My number four, Rick Barnes from Tennessee. And number this is why. All, okay, I'm going to hear this you. This is why. I like Rick Barnes. I don't have yes, a problem with Rick Barnes. He's been okay. successful at every stop. Successful at – started off at Providence, actually started at Jennifer Mason, then Providence, then Clemson. And he was at Clemson in the heyday of Duke and North Carolina. And Clemson yeah. before him was crap. And Clemson after him hasn't been real great. So you look at that. He then went to Texas, recruited a little guy by the name of Kevin Durant, right? Made it to two Elite Eight, I believe. Again, Texas was good before him, but not to the level he was, made him better. Same then. They took over Tennessee, built them back up. So everywhere he's been, he's been successful, and he's taken over typically a bad spot and made them much better. So that is my criteria, why I have him on there also, when we were at Texas, I met him three times and he was very nice to me. So I put him on the list. <laughs> you know, I, I really like that one. He's a good balance. I probably was 17 deep and I did not put him on my initial list, but maybe yeah. I should have, Matt. I actually like that analysis. Okay, All of those good. schools, you could argue he may be their best coach they've ever had. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, that's a lot of stops in a lot of places. Yep. Okay. You're number four. All right. My number four is Jay Wright and his two national championships mm. in Villanova. Yep. Excellent. He would have been my, he would have been my, uh, he would have been on my honor. I really like him. I think he's class personified Villanova, obviously one before him, but is still a really, you know, good basketball school. They've kept it going, but he he's excellent. And he's well, a great, it's, it's, great dresser. It's not, he is a great dresser. unlike <laughs> the two of us. It's, yes. um, it's not a blue blood job. It's a good job. Yeah. But to me, the two national championships yeah. is what separates him a little bit. Yeah. To have done it twice. I love the. I don't know if you've heard him talk, but I love his reaction when the guy hits the three to win it in the final, and he just oh, yeah. kind of doesn't even react. He's like, "I just knew he'd make it." It's great. Yeah. Anyway, all right. My number three again is a little bit personal, but it's hard to argue this is not one of the greatest coaches, um, current college basketball coaches on the planet. The guy by the name of Jim Beheim, Syracuse Orange. Okay, he's got a thousand ninety six wins, Brian, to four hundred losses. Um, he's been there forty, uh, almost fifty years in the same school at the same place, 
He's won gold medals. He's won national championships in, in Syracuse. We're talking Syracuse. How many people want to go up to Syracuse to go to school to play basketball? And plays in an arena yeah, that holds 30,000 people, sells it out for the big games. He was it's on my fantastic. list. And I don't know if we've discussed this. My college basketball team historically is Syracuse. My family's oh. from New York. They're all massive yeah. Syracuse fans. Oh, okay. I so went to a bunch of Syracuse on, games as a kid. You know, Derek awesome. Coleman, Ronnie Sidley, yeah. Pearl Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great players. You know, yeah. the Keith Smart jumper that beat them in New Orleans. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a shame. But if, if, they could shoot free throws. You know, they went like a decade where they couldn't make free throws. Right. Did not they coach. But he's, 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 a, he has uh revenue revolutionized the game with his two, three zone, right. Yep. Plays it better than anybody ever. And people just yep. died of trying to mimic it. Nobody can do it. So yep. anyway, and Carmelo got him his national championship. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll leave my other comments on that to the, to the side. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they go to Syracuse, New York to play yeah. basketball? That's a great yeah. question. Matt, why would Carmelo Anthony and Derek Coleman? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, just there. asking, just yeah, asking. Just asking. A little right, different form. Just a little different form of nil. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. You're number three. Number three, Tara Vanderveer, Stanford. Oh, good one. Three yep. national championships, and yep. this is what I'm going to leave you with, though. Thirty-one years between the first and the third. Really? 1990 and 2021. How impressive is that, Matt? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. You're number two. Oh, my number two and one of my favorites. Kim Mulkey. Wow. Via Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three national championships, six years between each of them at Baylor. So she did it with three different groups of players. Mm -hmm. And maybe her best coaching job ever this year at LSU has got them. They're probably going to be a two seed basically took the same team that was about 500 and they're finished second in the SEC. And they're like 23 and four, something like that. And, and she was born to coach at LSU of anyone I've ever come across. <laughs> um, listen, I'll say this about her. I, I watched the Ole Miss LSU basketball game this year and, and Ole Miss is having a great year and has a really good player. Um, but boy, you, you know, you just watch them and you're like, okay, she can coach like organize the way they played the things they did. She was really, really, really good and, and really impressive. So that's a good one. My number two, a little different, a little man by the name of Mark few at Gonzaga. Uh, yeah, he just missed my list. You give me your explanation. on Just Mark missed your list. Yeah. He's got 22 years at Gonzaga, Brian as uh, not having a losing record. He's played in two national finals, really kind of upset in both of them. But he has been, uh, the a level of consistency has been unbelievable. So if you look at my list, right, you got Jim Beheim, you know, 40, I think it's 46 years now at Syracuse. Mark Few, 22 years, he's a little bit younger, but stayed at Gonzaga. He could have coached anywhere. He could have gotten any job that's open, Mark Few, and he stays at Gonzaga. That level of um, commitment is something to a, a quote-unquote mid-major school. And he's been unbelievable. He's made it to two finals out of Gonzaga. And think about it. Think about the West Coast in basketball. They're never on prime time. You never get to watch them because they're because of the time change. And he's been an unbelievable. He's been the best best mid major. I would. I'm going to throw this out there. He is the best mid major coach in any sport in the country. Oh, 
I, I mean, it, there's a real argument. I think I saw while I was researching this, he's won like 20 some straight WCCs. I don't remember if it's the tournament or the regular season. Yeah. It must be the regular yeah. season. But are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking about the pickers done eight, right? Yeah. Which is we're so impressed, which is unbelievably impressive. Yes. This guy's been un, un, unbelievable. And I don't know if you listen to any of his stuff, but he's fantastic. No, fantastic to listen to. And so anyway, he's my number two. Something tells me we're heading in the same direction for number one. All right, you're number two. Oh, no, you had it. Is I gave that... you. You okay. want to say the number one or you want me to? It has to be. It's very, very clear. You Mr. Ariam, Mr. Ariama from uh, yeah. UConn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what, what stats do you have about him? I've got a great one. Well, how about 11-0 in championship games? Is he really? 11 national championships, 11-0 in the national championship. Wow. I've got this one. His uh, winning percentage, 0.886. I mean, are you kidding? In 36 years, 36 years, 886. You kidding me? Yeah, it sounds like Roger Sellies when he was in that league with Notre Dame and UConn. (laughs) Exactly. Back in the day. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's hard to argue right now. And current. Now, let's give a couple. um, I appreciate you letting me do honorable mentions. My other co host wouldn't let me have honorable mentions. I mean, it's hard. Um, you know, you got Izzo at uh, Michigan State is obviously a, a really good one. Um, someone else I was thinking of uh, basketball-wise, but there, there's a lot of really great coaches, right? Mine was Tony Bennett at Virginia. Yeah. Well, Nat- I mean, yeah, go ahead. National championship after getting upset in the first round as the number one yeah, seed. Oh, yeah. And doing That's it at awesome. Virginia, which they had Samson – yeah. You know, that one short little spell, but it's, it's not an automatic place for basketball. Yeah, it's also hard to, to you know, Bill Self, uh, Calipari. I mean, those guys are at those blue bud schools, but Calip- uh, Self specifically, like, you know, unbelievable, right? Like unbelievable over and over and over again in Kansas. So um, well, what I really liked about our, the, our list of 10 is there's no, well, nine of the 10, there's no like uh, – inklings of impropriety or how did they get the players you know that kind of stuff for nine of the ten there's never even been a rumor i don't think yeah yeah i'm glad we were like-minded on that and and, and, i listen i hope syracuse makes the tournament and and i hope Mm -hmm. i hope they win the tournament yeah all that said interesting okay very good let's do your five do you five five to five to one please okay five to one don staley jay wright Tara Vanderveer, Kim Mulkey, and Gino. You sure none of yours have any questions? It seems like there might be one there with some questions. All right, my five to one, Don Staley, Rick Barnes, Jim Beheim, Mark Few, and Gino. Um, all right, Coach, very good. Another good one, another good debate. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week? Uh, just another day, another week of spring soccer. We're headed into spring break, so we've got mm-hmm. a game on Thursday and the kids get a week off. I'm sure they're excited about it. Good timing for us. Um, but just, you know, the regular days, we're very blessed to have this job and a regular day is always awesome. I agree with that completely, Coach. We are same thing. I'm headed in my uh, head in the airplane down to uh, Florida uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and then we're into spring break next week. So our kids are off as well. They're excited about that. I think it's time for a good mental break for the crew for sure. Um, okay. Well, uh, next week we will have a guest. We will have 
the bigger deal back on mayor. I like, I always give you know, call the mayor, but never of Soccerville. I like that. <laughs> mayor of Soccerville. Robbie did a great job. We appreciate him coming on. We appreciate Darren and DJM Productions producing this. It's been a good show, fun show. Appreciate everybody listening. Download it at all your favorite spots. Give uh, us five stars if you don't mind. Tell a friend. College Soccer Nation is out.